0: Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, can I invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 23? It's page 239 in the Red Pew Bibles. But before we go there, let me ask you, how did you get on this week with Joshua 22, verse 5? This potential life-defining, life-determining command that we read and we looked at last Sunday. Be very careful, Joshua says, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and soul. James James Greenwood has suggested that this would make a great fellowship verse for 2010. And, And I like that idea. Because last week I suggested that this was a brilliant verse to filter your life through. That here are five core aspects of the Christian faith. And I encourage you to sit down with a cup of coffee, a pen and a piece of paper and be honest with yourself. Be honest before God and assess and consider your love for God. Your walked out obedience to him. Assess Your commitment to keep all his commands. To embrace your God no matter what. And to consider your servant heart. Now if you didn't get a chance to do that this week. Or if you weren't here last Sunday. Let me throw that out again as a tangible response to this series. Find half an hour this afternoon or this week just to read that to engage with it, and to hear what it says to you. But before we uh, leave that verse, although what we're about to discover is that parts of it come up again and again in Joshua 23. But before we leave it, let me just say something about how we actually read a verse like that. Because you see, those are more than simply words on a page or words on a screen. Because as a church and as Christians, we firmly believe that when we read the Bible, God speaks. That God communicates with us through this book. And therefore, the challenge that we face whenever we read a verse like this is to listen. Listen. And there are three levels of listening. And I came across this recently and I found it really helpful. Attention, absorption and action. You see, initially, whenever you read a verse like this, you've got to be attentive to it. You can't be distracted. And I know it's easy to be distracted. But you've got to be tuned in so that you can actually hear the words. That you can actually hear God speak. But then it's got to go deeper. It's got to go further. You've actually got to absorb what God says. You've got to take it on board. You've got to allow it to get into you. You've got to let it enter your spiritual bloodstream, if you like. Become a part of you. Jesus on one occasion said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, you've got to eat this. You've got to consume it. You've got to digest it. So you don't just hear a verse. You absorb it. And then, the final level of listening involves action, where you then live it out. And in Matthew 7, Jesus talked about hearing his words, but then the importance of putting them into practice. And James writes, don't Just be hearers of the word, but do what it says. And so with a verse like that, in fact, with any verse or any text from the Bible, let me encourage you to listen at all three levels. Hear it. Hear God speak to you. Absorb it. And then allow it to affect your behavior. Three levels. Levels of listening. And so how did you hear that verse last week? Let's move on. Joshua 23. Let's listen to it. Last week you'll, uh, you'll remember that Joshua, in Joshua 22 he summoned two and a half tribes. There were the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh. Because Joshua needed to say something important including this command. But this week, Joshua speaks again. But have a look at verses 1 and 2, because this time he summons all of Israel. He summons the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officials, because clearly he's got something more to say. And in a very real sense, these are Joshua's parting words. He's old. Look at verse 22. He actually states that. He says, I am very old. And if you glance down to verse 14, you discover that Joshua realises that death is just around the corner. The way he actually puts it is this, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know, parting words are really important. The last thing or the last things that someone says can be very interesting. And you can pick up books that record people's parting shots. Here's just one example. It's called Famous Last Words, but I love the subtitle, Fond Farewells, Deathbed Diatribes, and Exclamations Upon Expiration, which is just a great title. But let me give you some famous last words. Winston Churchill, just before he slipped into a coma, said, I'm bored with it all. And Charles Darwin, on the 14th of April, 1882, said this, I am not In the least, afraid to die. And some last words are deeply moving. Vincent van Gogh wrote, The sadness will last forever. Or Dwight Eisenhower, I've always loved my wife, my children and my grandchildren and I've always loved my country. I want to go. God, take me. Or Mother Teresa's last recorded words, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. But then some are just simply bizarre. Oscar Wilde, either that wallpaper goes or I do. (laughs) Or Anna Pavlova, get my swan costume ready. And I've absolutely no idea what was going on in her head. But here in Joshua 23 and 24, we have an amazing record of Joshua's final spoken words. His last speeches. And because of his rule, because of his position within the community of God's people, these words mattered. They mattered to the Israelites, and they must, or I hope they do, matter to us. Now remember, Joshua has a very clear agenda for these three speeches God's been faithful. That's how he ended chapter 21. God has been breathtakingly faithful. And now the key question staring everyone at this stage of the journey is this. Will the people of God now remain faithful? Now in addition, this is also a quieter day. The major part of the conquest is over. Things and life isn't just as full on anymore. A sense of normality is returning. And sometimes... It's far easier to stay focused, to keep your edge, to remain faithful whenever there's a lot happening, whenever tension is tangible, whenever there's an acute awareness of your need to keep the faith. Then you stay on edge. Then you know that you must remain faithful. But when things level out a bit, when a quieter day comes, when the heat is turned down, you can sometimes lose momentum. And I think Joshua was slightly worried that with things calming down, the people may just hit cruise control. They may just begin to free wheel in their Christian faith and risk simply going through the motions. You see, Joshua doesn't just want the people to start well. I mean, they've done so well. Yes, there's been blips along the way, but they've done so well. But he doesn't just want them to start well. He wants them to end well. He wants them to maintain their focus and their commitment over the long haul. And that's really hard. And I know we've said this before, but it's worth repeating. It's not just how you start that matters, but how you finish that really counts. And again, as we, have, we know lots of people who started well. Or maybe many of us do well whenever the heat is on and whenever we realise our need of God and wherever we know that things are tight at the moment then we turn to God, we need God, we're committed to God but whenever a quieter day comes we take the foot off the pedal and we just hit cruise control. And I think Josh is concerned as he reaches the end of his life as he speaks into these people's lives he's concerned that that may happen. God has been faithful, Josh he says over many years And now the challenge facing you is to remain faithful to God long term. And so Joshua begins to speak. And he starts his farewell speech by referring to what they've seen. Let me read verse 3. Have a look at it with me. Joshua says, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Now what I want you to do, if you've been part of this series, I want you to recall for a moment some of the things these people have seen. Okay. In your mind. If you think back over 22 chapters that we have gone through, think of some of the things these people have seen. They've seen the Jordan River dry up and stack up as the priests dip their feet in the water's edge. They've seen the walls of Jericho crumble before their very eyes even though nobody touched them. They have seen the ambush at Ai. They have seen... The sun stands still. They have seen the moon stop. And we could go on, but the point is this. They had witnessed some incredible things. And Joshua wanted to remind the people of God's past activity. That his actions, what he has done in the past should be remembered. And please don't ever forget that. But what about us sitting here this morning? None of us have seen any of that. We sit here in a very different place at a very different time. We probably feel quite removed, quite distant from these events. And yet what we do have, and please don't miss this, what we do have is a written record of them all. And through revisiting these scenes and retelling these stories, we are able to keep seeing and keep re-seeing what God has done. And that is why we as a church are passionate about the Bible, passionate about reading it, passionate about engaging with it, passionate about teaching it, because it reminds us, constantly reminds us to look at what God has done. So with the eyes of faith, we see, sees part. We see giants fall. We see lions tamed. We see walls rebuilt. With the eyes of faith, we see Messiahs born. We see dead men walk. Joshua reminds the people what they have seen. Question, what have you seen? What do you see? Let's read on verses 4 to 5. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for you tribes all the lands of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. You see, Joshua moves from what the people have seen, God's past activity, to what the people have heard, God's Recent or previous promises. Because verse 5 ends, you'll see that phrase, as the Lord your God promised. you In other words, listen, God's come through. God has delivered. God's been true to his word. The people are now standing, they're now living, they're now setting up home in the promised land. Granted, there is still more to do, there's still more people to drive out. But verse 5 says, listen, God will make sure that that happens. It will be done. And so in this opening section, Joshua points to what God has done and what God has said because he wants the people to remember God's faithful words and God's faithful deeds in the past in the hope that it will encourage them to remain faithful in the present. The importance of remembering what God has done, the importance of remembering what God has said, is absolutely vital because it influences your current faithfulness to god if you don't see if you don't hear i want to suggest you will struggle to remain faithful back to the text verse six because joshua then moves on to the importance of obedience And the challenge to be obedient in order to remain faithful. Let's read from verse 6. Be very strong, Joshua says. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not swear that serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations to this day. No one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and you ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, Then you may be sure that your Lord, your God, will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord, your God, has given you. Strong words. And look at verse 6. Because verse 6 is almost a carbon copy of joshua chapter 1 verse 7 only in joshua chapter 1 verse 7 it was a specific instruction to joshua from god god spoke directly into this man's life and he said to him be careful to obey stay obedient But here in Joshua 23, it's an instruction that Joshua passes on to all the people. Because Joshua, although he had personally heard this probably about 14 years ago at least, could have been longer ago, but Joshua heard it from God, he attempted to live it out, he has valued it, and having realised the importance of it, he now says, as he's lying or as he is about to pass away, he says, now what I want to do is I want to offer this to you. Here's how you should live your life. God told me this years ago. It has worked for me. It has meant so much to me. And now I'm passing it on to you. Be very careful, he says, to obey this. Okay, he said the book of the law of Moses is what he had at that stage. But in our context, be really careful to obey this. Here, if you like, is your standard for obedience. Don't turn aside from this. Don't turn aside to the left. Don't turn aside to the right. And you know, one of the five core aspects that we looked at last week was this. Walk in obedience to him. And Eugene Peterson, writing about discipleship and faithfulness, amongst other things, describes those as a long obedience in the same direction. That's what faithfulness is. That's what we are called to a long, not a short burst off. A long obedience in the same direction. In other words, we're not veering off course. We're not swerving to the left or to the right. But Joshua then gets specific. And this is where this becomes a little more challenging and a little more real. And maybe even a little more uncomfortable. Because he warns about the danger of compromise. Compromised worship. Compromised relations. Have a look at verse 7. Because in verse 7, he urges the people not to bow down to or to serve other gods. And the temptation to do that was as real then as it is now. And whenever you inhabit an environment, whenever you inhabit a culture and a society where other gods exist and where other gods compete for your attention and your affection, affection. Then the importance of holding fast, because that's what Joshua says in verse 8. The importance of holding fast to the Lord your God is crucial. And again, back to Joshua 22 verse 5 from last week, this is exactly what he said there. Hold fast to God. Because Joshua knows that unless the Israelites hold fast to God, what they're going to end up doing is they're going to end up reaching out for. They're going to end up grabbing hold of other gods. And in Canaan, where they now lived, there was any number of gods to choose from. And in our context, the gods of this age, such as, and you fill in the blanks, the gods of this stage still compete for our attention. Money. Sex, power, self, image. Gods of this age are still asking us, hey, let go of your God. Don't hold fast to your God. Let go of God and begin reaching out for this or that. And whenever your grip on God loosens, then unfaithfulness is only round the corner. And Joshua highlighted the danger of compromised worship. God's got to be first. God's got to be number one. Hold fast to God. But then in verse 12, he comes back to this issue of compromised relations. He says, ally yourselves with them, marry them, and associate with them and you're heading for disaster. It wasn't just a bad idea to do any of this. It's actually potentially life-destroying, he says. The language is strong because the consequences are extreme. If you make these choices, then here's what's going to happen. For a start, God won't drive out the remaining people from the land. And as a result, the people that are still left there are going to mess with your lives. They will in fact become snares and traps and whips on your back and thorns in your eyes. Until you perish from this good land. And notice that the Israelites won't just perish in this good land. They'll perish from it. So the the place that was to be a blessing has the potential to ruin your life. Your spiritual life. But where do we go with this? Where do we actually go with teaching like this? And I find this hard. Because you see, for me, this is not about isolation. You can't lock yourself away from the world. But what this is about is protection. It's about protection from compromise. By connecting too closely with people who don't share your faith. And for example, marriage is probably the closest of all human connections. But connect yourself too closely with people who don't share your faith and you risk being compromised. It's not inevitable. We all know that. But it is a dangerous possibility. And in the final prayer of Jesus, recorded in John 17, Jesus prayed these words, My prayer, Father, is not that you take them out of this world, Jesus didn't want us to become isolationists. My prayer, Father, is not that you would take them out of this world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They, we, are not of this world. We exist in two worlds. We are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. And, Father, your word is truth. And we live and we breathe and we have our being in this world and we are tempted to compromise on a daily basis. And so the need for us to love God, because this is how Joshua addressed, look at verse 11, this is what he says, he urges them to love God. And the need to be very careful to do that is profoundly apparent because if we love God, what does the Bible say? If you love me... You'll do what I say. You'll keep my commandments. You won't compromise. And that's really hard. And again, verse 8, or verse 11, is it echoes Joshua 22, verse 5. It's one of the five core aspects. Love the Lord your God. Because culture is going to try squeeze you. Culture is going to try, invite you to buy into it. And the question is, and the issue is, will you or can you actually resist? And Joshua urges the Israelites, please, retain your distinctiveness. Stay true to the faith. Avoid compromise, because if you don't, there are consequences. And in terms of consequences, Joshua then finishes his speech on what seems like a really negative, jarring note. Let me read the last couple of verses from verse 14. He says, Now I know I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. We're back to Joshua 21 verse 45. And you see, if Joshua had finished at the end of verse 14, that would have been good. Surely, that was a good point to stop. Listen, let's remind the people of God's faithfulness. Let's, in a sense, end on a natural high. Everybody will walk out of here feeling good if I stop now. But Joshua decides not to stop at that point. In fact he concludes by categorically stating the additional serious consequences of unfaithfulness. And actually, we don't like this. Because psychologically, we like to end on a positive note rather than a negative one. But is it such a bad thing to do to end there? Does it not make a lot more sense to be upfront to be real with the flip side of any choice you make, any decision you take. I mean, if the people of God remain faithful, if they avoid compromised worship, if they avoid compromised relationships, then, Joshua says, you will take possession of the land. You will enjoy the good things the Lord your God has promised you. But if you choose pagan worship, if you intermarry, in other words, if you choose on faithfulness, then is it not only right that I stress the alternative outcome. Is that not fair? And then let's read the alternative outcome, verses 15 and 16. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened, until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he's given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, if you go and serve other gods, if you bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you. And you will quickly perish from the good land he's given you. And he stops. And I don't like that. But what I realize is that, listen, God is faithful in blessing and in judgment. And Joshua helpfully, I think, stresses the outcome. Here's the outcome if you opt for unfaithfulness. If you opt for disobedience, then this is where it's heading. And as I say, for me, that seems fair. Joshua isn't being harsh. Joshua's just being real. God's grace and God's love and God's mercy and God's acceptance are amazing and they are incredible. And I hope that if you've listened to this series, that we have made so many references to those throughout this series. But you see, if you choose to throw that all back in God's face, if you choose to do that, if you choose infidelity, then you've got to realize that there are divine and there are eternal consequences. And for the Israelites to go God's way, no one was going to be able to withstand them. That's what it says in verse 9. We didn't read it. But if you go God's way, no one's going to be able to stand in your way. But you see, if you go your own way, or if you go the way of this anti-God culture, then you will experience defeat, discomfort, and disgrace. The choice was there to make. And so the elders... And the leaders, and the judges, and the officials, because they're the ones that really Joshua addressed. I know he says he he brought all Israel together, but Joshua couldn't mean there wasn't a big loudspeaker system. He couldn't have spoken to all of Israel. He just spoke to the leaders, the officials, the judges, the elders. And as they walked away, with that ringing in their ears, there was no confusion, there was no vagueness, there was no ambiguity. God was faithful. He had proved it. Now the issue is, are the people going to be faithful? Are they going to love, keep, walk, hold, serve? Or are they not? And what about us? What about us? Are we going to hear this? Are we going to absorb this? And are we going to live this? The choice is yours. And what I'm going to do to finish, and I'm going to go off script. Joe, could you do something for me? What I'm going to do is I'm just going to create a bit of space. And then I'm going to pray. But I'm just going to leave that up there, because I don't know if you've had a chance this week to actually engage with this. Because I know busy lives. We're all busy people. And we maybe haven't. We maybe haven't. And so, Joe, could you play what you played during the offering? And I'm just going to give you an opportunity as we finish this service. We've got a couple of minutes to just listen and just hear what God says to you. Thanks, Joe.